And we also have to remember too that that Jesus never said that we were promised an easy life whenever we became a Christian, right? So in John 15, 18, he actually says, the world hated me, so expect the world to hate you too. Yeah. So we can't think and we can't put on this uh, this show that being a Christian equals having a happy or an easy life. Mm-hmm. When in reality, like it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Like being a Christian doesn't mean life gets easier. It actually means that life gets harder. Hey guys, welcome back to season two, episode five of Hanging with Haley and Heidi. I'm Haley. And I'm Heidi. And today we're going to be talking about how we can live lives that are set apart from the world. Let's get into it. All right, guys, welcome back. Welcome back. So today, this is a, if you're high school age or college age, this one is especially for you. So stay tuned. Uh, We have a special guest with us and his name is Noah. Worley. Welcome, Noah. We're so happy that you're on here with us today. Oh, side note, guys, if you're not high school or college age, this is also for you because I have a feeling this is going to be good either way. So today we wanted to talk about just like pursuing holiness and being set apart. Like what is and what that looks like in a young believer's life today. And uh, Noah, we wanted to ask you just like what your testimony is. Just a brief one. People can kind of get to know you if they don't know you already. Yeah, sure. So, uh, my name is Noah Worley. I am married. I have a kid. He's pretty cool. Um, he's the best, huh? But uh, I actually serve as a pastor here in the area. I'm the worship pastor at Galilee Baptist Church. Uh, and just a short little testimony, I grew up in a pastor's home. You know, I was in church every time that the doors were open. So I knew about Jesus from a very early age and knew what it meant uh, to need a Savior and what it meant to fall into sin and to be a sinful person. So uh I knew all of those things. I knew all of the answers, but I didn't really quite know what it meant until I was about six years old, what it was to surrender my life to Christ. So at six years old, I did that. I fell into a bit of an identity crisis come middle school, uh, started putting my identity and who I was and the things of this world and people that I knew and maybe girls that I liked or wanted to pursue in sports or band or whatever it may be. And because of that, I did not fit in with people. I didn't fit in with people very well at all because I was not being the person that God had called me to be. And just to make a long story short, whenever I was a sophomore, uh, God convicted me of that, told me that my my sinfulness in living for the world and not for him uh, was wrong and that I was on a, on a track to hell. So I repented of my sins, recommitted, for lack of a better term, my life to Christ. And here we are today, pursuing Christ, pursuing holiness, uh, to the best of my abilities, understanding that I'm still fallen, but I'm not defined by my fallen nature. I'm defined as a child of God. So that's yeah. a little bit about me. And Noah's actually just been ordained, haven't you? So yeah. you got to go to his service the other day. That was really cool to see. But And how old are you, Noah, for the people who don't know? I don't even know. <laughs> oh, I really don't either. That's why I'm asking. I'm, I'm either 24 or 25. I can't really remember. He I really does. Like you're 24. Know. I think you're 25. Are you? I feel like I'm 24. We'll figure this out later. But he's he's pretty young, guys. But he's from uh, when me and Haley first started coming to uh, this, we were about 13, Haley, 12 or 13? Something no, around. 14, I think. I we know. started coming to a new church, and Noah was there helping lead the band at uh, the church we were going to. And he led worship, and we hear him speak. I never actually heard your testimony, actually, like in depth. But hearing, like, your stories and things like that, we could always just relate to Noah really easily. And it was yeah. always cool to, like, hear his stuff. Like, it really inspired me to, like, want to follow Christ in a deeper way and, like, know 
in deeper. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this specific subject well, with you. Especially with young people, you've had an impact on a lot of, like, I know, our, our family and just in general, a lot of young people. When you were still young, you still, like, I don't you know, you are connected still young. well. You, you are still, still young. young. I, meant, like, I meant, like, when you were, I feel like, I don't know, you know. Like, we met you when you were, what, like, 19, 20? 18, 19. 18, 19. 19. Like you were in the teens. Anyway. Yeah, so we all could just relate to you really easily. And to see you, like, striving to live for the Lord, like, in those young years, it's just something you don't see very often. Like, you see a lot of people, but at the same time, you just stuck out to us in that way. So we have a few questions for you today. We wanted to ask just your thoughts and ideas on all the different things of young living for Christ. But here we go. First question. How do we, as young believers, pursue holiness in a world that has normalized sin, to the point where even Christians be, can become confused as to where the line is drawn. I, I've thought about things like even just like gossiping, judging, things like that seem so normal to even us. Like I can get caught in the sin of like gossiping about people or just like TV, things on Netflix you see that are just playing out wrong, but have become so normalized in the culture we're living in to where it's sometimes easy to slip into it yourself as a believer. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I think the first thing that we have to understand in order to answer this question is what exactly it means to be a Christian. Right. So I think that a lot of people say that they are a Christian because one of two reasons. One, they think it's going to make their life a lot easier or they want it as kind of like a fire insurance card. And what I mean by that is they're wanting to be saved from hell. Right. Mm -hmm. But whenever we look at Scripture and we look at what it's like to be a Christian, what Christ has laid out, to be a follower of Christ is not simply to be saved from hell, but rather it's to be saved for Christ, mm. right? It's to be Good. saved from, not just to be saved from something, but to be saved for something, to go and do something and to live a certain way. And we also have to remember, too, that, that Jesus never said that we were promised an easy life whenever we became a Christian, right? So in John 15, 18, he actually says, the world hated me, so expect the world to hate you, too. Yeah. So we can't think and we can't put on this uh, this show that being a Christian equals having a happy or an easy life, mm-hmm. when in reality, like, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Like, being a Christian doesn't mean life gets easier. It actually means that life gets harder. Yeah. So we we actually don't have to be confused by this stuff, right? So, like, there, there's a sense of confusion in the world today because, like you said, everything is so normalized between, you know, like, same-sex attraction or— um, you know, just the list goes on of all of these different things that we see in the Bible that blatantly says is sinful, yeah. right? So we don't have to be confused because Christ has given us his word. God has given us his word to be that pamphlet, to be that book that tells us this is how we live life. Mm-hmm. And if we believe that the the Bible is the ultimate source of truth, right, that's, that's kind of what differentiates a lot of uh, what we believe versus other religions is that we believe that the Bible as it stands today is God's inerrant or fully true word, yeah. right? And it tells us that in Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that God's word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, uh, capable of changing lives, piercing hearts, all of these things. And in John 17, God actually tells us, or Jesus actually in a prayer, in a, in a way is talking to the Lord, talking to God and saying, sanctify them by your truth. Okay, well, what is God's truth? He goes on and says, your word is truth. Mm -hmm. So we have to understand that we don't have to be confused, right? In a world that tells us that all of these things are good, all of these things are true. Well, what's true for me may not be true for you. No, no, that's that's not what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. 
the Bible lists out very plainly and clearly what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be of the world. And those two things don't intertwine. They don't. Yeah, like the, like the two masters uh, thing in the Bible, I don't know where it's at, but like how you cannot serve two masters. I think that's really... Yeah, we read, we were reading, well, I read my devotional this morning. It's like the She Reads Truth one, and they were talking about uh, just like being easily deceived like as believers. Like Paul was talking to the Thessalonians. Is that the church's name? I don't know. Thess- First, Thess- second Thessalonian. Thess- Thessalonica. Is that really the name yeah. of the church? Yeah. Okay, that. <laughs> so he was talking to them, and he was just saying like, don't be easily deceived, like because... And the way we 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 don't have to fall into those sin, like the deceitfulness of the world, is just knowing your that God's word is our authority and like our truth, and we have to stand on that because it's so easy to get swayed yeah. if you're not standing as that as your solid rock. Because it, it you can stand in truth, but if you're not, you're gonna easily be distracted and dece- uh, deceived. I feel like I've met a, a number of Christians, or they say they're believers. I mean, I can't. I'm not want to judge man's heart, but that try to twist God's word a little bit to make it seem like a lot of people are doing that these days saying like, like things are like God's word doesn't say that it actually says this and like try to like cover it up and reroute and make it confusing, confusing when it's really God's word is not confusing. God's not a confusing God. Yeah. I just think that's good what you said. There are no contradictions in God's yeah. word. There's only human misconstrued thoughts of what God is saying because we want to try to make everything appropriate for our own life. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, we don't like to be pulled out of comfort zones. We don't like to be told that we're living in a manner that's that's wrong, that's incorrect. So that leads to you having to twist the words of God to make it fit your narrative. And that's sinful. That's idolatry. That's making yourself and putting yourself above the, the living God of this world, the one who created all things. And so that's a really important thing that we have to remember, that if we're, if we're twisting God's word to fit our narrative, then we're in sin. And we're, we're the ones in the wrong. God is not the one in the wrong. We are. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. All right. So our second question for you today. So we live in a culture where people are constantly saying, like, I, I feel like I hear that all the time. Like, oh, just be who you want to be. Like, do what you want to do. Like, just whatever makes you feel comfortable, which we kind of just talked about, covered that a little bit. But and just like the cancel culture going around, like, I don't I honestly don't even understand it. But people just like cut you off whenever you don't agree with them, whenever you don't like what you that you like, people don't like what you like, they just cut you off. What do you, what do you think about all that? Yeah, so I actually kind of want to take a little bit of a different route with this question, right? Because the root, the root of what this question is, is, okay, what are your thoughts on follow your heart, right? right? So like you probably heard it from your mom or your parents or your friends, oh, just follow your heart, right? And they, they have good intentions and they're well-meaning whenever they say that. But again, when we look at scripture, we see that there's a, there's a huge flaw in telling people to follow their hearts. And that's that your heart desires evil, right? Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10 tells us that the heart is deceitful and that it's evil above all things. So following your heart means that you are following sin, that you're not being set apart, but rather you are following the ways of this world. You're following the prince of the power of the air, as it tells us uh, later on in the New Testament. But our, our world really has a, a pride problem, mm-hmm. right? So that, that's kind of what's led to this cancel culture is that we can't, we can't, you know, intertwine with people who have different thoughts or feelings than us. So rather than try to work through our differences, we just say, oh, no, you're canceled. Like, yeah. I'm done with you because you don't agree with me. And that's pride. 
that's that's our own pride not being able to look at somebody else and consider them more than ourselves, right? Which is what the Bible tells us to do with people is to consider them more than ourselves. And my favorite story that I like to tell about uh, pridefulness is do y'all know Wilt Chamberlain. Y'all aren't basketball people. I know that, but have you have you I was heard thinking of, Wilt of a book when you said Wilt Chamberlain? I have no clue who that is. A book. Yeah, I just thought that this sounded like an author's name. It kind of does. Chamberlain does. sounds like a. Anyway, keep going. Okay, that was weird. That was a twin thing. You said. I just wanted to make it really awkward, so I, I stopped talking. Thank you. Yeah. Thank anywho, you. Anywho, so Wilt Chamberlain, all right, he's like one of the greatest basketball players of all time, and he's probably most well-known for scoring 100 points in a game. Aww. Like, dude by himself scored 100 points. points in a game, right? No. Okay. No. Have how you many, ever seen anybody many, score 100 points? I mean, I like only watch like high school basketball, and they score like two each, so. Dang. Dang. Well, we're home, the homeschool team, you know. Okay, I've Dang, seen more double, than that. They've done better than that. That's a double credit whammy, for man, making fun of homeschoolers and Well, I am homeschooled, players. so I can make fun of it. <laughs> Anywho, so Wilt, Wilt Chamberlain's really well known for scoring 100 points in a game, right? And arguably one of the greatest basketball players of all time. I thought Michael Jordan was... I didn't say okay. the greatest. Okay. Everyone Come says Michael now. Jordan. I didn't say the greatest. You don't know enough I about just basketball, I've just never heard his name, so I would think he wasn't that good. <laughs> it's real shallow right, real keep shallow going. okay keep, going. keep distracting so, noah so i was listening to this podcast one time called revision revisionist history by malcolm gladwell and what he does is he explores the overlooked and unseen things in our society so he'll look at all sorts of just weird and random stuff that nobody would ever think to look at and to see kind of what the social implications on them for everybody's life so he looked at the life of wilt chamberlain and Wilt had this teammate named Rick Barry. Okay, Rick Barry was a pretty good, pretty good basketball player himself. But he had one thing that was really unique about the way that he played basketball, and that was the way he shot free throws. So you know, you normally shoot free throws like yeah. you're overhanded, right? Mm -hmm. This dude went straight grainy style. Oh, he did not. Right? Who did this? Straight up, an NBA basketball That's player. That's allowed. Rick Barry. Yeah. Did he make his shots? Dude made like over ninety percent of his free You're throws. You're lying to me. Why are not more people doing this then? It's obviously a key look, success. Look, 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 look. So, so, Wilt Chamberlain was awesome, right? But he was terrible at free throws. He was the worst. And Rick Barry came to him, reportedly came to him one time and was like, hey, I really think that you should try this because the physics work in your favor, whatever. And Wilt Chamberlain said, no, like, I would never. I will never do that. Mm. And he was kind of pressed on it a little later on, and he was like, so why, why did you say that you were never going to shoot free throws underhanded? I mean, you saw the success of your teammate, right? You saw how well he did. So why did you not want to do it? And he said, I never wanted to look like a little girl playing a man's <gasps> game. Uh, oh, that's terrible. Wow. Look, so, so Malcolm Gladwell in the podcast, right, makes the argument that Wilt Chamberlain was not the best basketball player that he could be, despite how good he actually was. Like, he wasn't the best that he could be because he refused to adjust his game and refused to change to make himself better. That's crazy. And that's like the ultimate story of pride, yeah, of that's pridefulness. Pretty, that's pretty, that worked out well. Didn't know where you were going with all that. Now, Chamberlain now I mean, stuff. now look, like, dude's still in the Hall of Fame, like, still a great basketball player. But whenever, but whenever you look at that story and you think, okay, may, maybe you have your life figured out. Maybe you think that, oh, look, I have this great, I'm, I'm involved in my local church. Uh, I have a very steady, quiet time, devotional life. I'm helping, like, disciple younger people, like, all of this stuff. Even in all of that, 
Like there are still ways that you need to grow and that you have to grow. Right. Right. And if you think that you've made it, then you've already had pridefulness in your heart that has revealed itself. Right. So so our entire world, even the Christians of this world, have a problem with pride. And if we believe that God's word is is true and if we're we're being canceled because of the truth that's found in God's word. So if we're being canceled because we don't agree with the homosexual lifestyles of people who are around us, we don't agree with, uh, you know, the abortion laws that are coming out everywhere. If we don't agree with those things based upon scripture, not based upon ethics or morals, but based upon scripture, mm-hmm. then it's OK. Like, who cares? Yeah. Man, who who cares if somebody is canceling you because of the truth of God's word? Right. Because ultimately, who do you have to who do you have to fear outside of God? Yeah. If, if um, what is it? If God is for me, who can be against me or whatever that verse is in Romans? That's so good because I get so I'm such a people pleaser. Like, I don't want people to like not like me. But then when you're like surrounded, but you have to be able to like on the basis of scripture. I like how you say like how you said scripture, like not based on like what I believe to be true, what I what God has said to be right and wrong and just having you have to follow that like that's that's the authority i live by and knowing that if people don't like what you have to do what you're standing for you have to be okay with that and i think that's where you're not done i'm sorry no that's fine with the whole um like with our the politics nowadays like or like especially i mean i know they're still going on crazy right now but like during election year and all that everybody taking their sides and following a man other than God, even Christians were like, no, this person is better. This person has this, all this stuff, you know, when really nobody was even making their decisions or making their um, cases based on God's word. It was on who they were following in their own and emotions and feelings. Yeah. It's not based off of anything like substantial. And their own pride, too. Yeah. yeah it look, even something that's within Christian realms right now is the, the idea of cancel culture based on based on things that are of the world. Right. Like. Mm-hmm. We have these these woke versions of Christianity that are accepting of, you know, homosexual lifestyles and, and all of the like the abortion rights and all of these other things. Like there are people who are cr- claiming Christ amid all of that. So like you have to be firm in the foundation of the word to be able to combat that, because it's not just non-believers. Right. Yeah. Like you can't expect a non-believer to act or have the same morals as a believer. Yeah. Like there are some things we can all agree on, like murder is wrong, stealing is wrong. Like, but when it comes to things like abortion, legalizing gay marriage, like even disobeying and disrespecting your parents or even like drinking laws. Like if you don't think that the drinking laws are are right and you think, oh, man, I'm this big, bad 18, 17 year old and I can go drink. I can have consent, whatever. Like, no, that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that. Like all of these authorities are put in our place for a very specific reason. Everybody who is above us is placed above us because Christ has ordained that, not because somebody necessarily voted them in or or voted for or against a certain thing. Like Christ has ordained all of these things to happen. So like it's not just in the the non-believing culture. We also have to combat it in the people who claim to be Christians who are following the ways of the world, who are trying to to follow this more inclusive and woke style that that is just incorporating all of this nonsense that the Bible teaches, not just not, like doesn't just not address, but goes directly against what they are for. Well, it's because it's like I feel like if you're not being canceled by unbelievers in a way, like not if they're liking what you're they're, you're preaching all the time and they feel comfortable sitting in church and like 
loving what they're hearing 24-7. I think there's something wrong with that. Like, I feel like almost some people should be canceling the church if they're unbelievers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what you're saying. But Yeah, the gospel's offensive because it tells us how we're wrong. Yeah. And you the, gotta... go- the gospel, while it does, it is inclusive. And while people are saved and brought to the Lord through the good news of the gospel, like it should also be rather offensive to those who are living in a lifestyle that's opposed to it. Well, it, it going back to like the whole pride thing, it tears down the essence of who you are. Like it's saying you're not enough ever. And you on your best day, you will never be enough. And yeah. I think that's realizing that is something that's. And people don't want to have to like depend on anybody. Like, like no. nobody wants people to depend are on God. Like, cause you can't see him. You can't, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, you obviously can see him like, in things he does around us, but people don't want to just, Oh, I'll give my life to this God, you know? Yeah. That they don't trust yet. But that's good. All right. One more question, Noah, then we can wrap this up. So for the teens and college kids, that's like the people I want to talk. This is what this podcast, we really intended it for in the first place. So for those of y'all listening, the ones that are struggling with their walk with the Lord right now, the ones who are just feeling like discouraged because they're surrounded by people that might not agree with the things they agree with and they don't really know how to share the gospel where they're at. Just anything they might be feeling doubtful about, anything like that. Talk specifically to them right now in the way that like, how they could draw near to the Lord, draw desiring a closer relationship with him, what what do you have to say to them right now? Yeah, so man, I could give like a list of like 40 things yeah. to to help <laughs> yeah. with this and to do, but I'll try to keep it as short as I can. The number one thing that I would encourage anybody to do, whether you're struggling right now in your walk or whether you feel like you're on the mountaintop and that your relationship with the Lord couldn't be better, is you've got to be involved with a local church. You absolutely have to be involved with your local church because that is what Christ has called you to do. The Christian life that is spent alone is one that is destined to fail. Right? So if you are not surrounded by a body of believers and using your gifts, your talents, your abilities to make much of Christ in the kingdom through the local church, then you're not living a life that is set apart. And even... I know it's super hard because we just came off of like all of this COVID shutdown nonsense where, oh, I can just watch church at home and, and get my fix. No, like that's not enough. It's not enough to just sit at home and be a consumer. You have to actively be a part of the local body of believers because that is what God has called you to do. And for your own sake to be able to grow in your walk, you've got to be a part. You've got to get around those those more mature believers, both in age and you know, just spiritually more mature people. You also have to put yourself around people who are not as mature believers and put yourself in a situation to disciple and to bring them up. The whole reason that the church exists is for the advancement of the kingdom. So if you're not a part of a local body, you've got to get a part of a local church body that loves you, that cares for you, that's going to call you on all of your bluffs, but is going to use your gifts, talents, and abilities to make much of Christ through the way that you hold yourself and through the things that you do. That's good. Secondly, you, you've got to study your Bible, okay? Not just read it, okay? Part, part, I think, of what the issue is with our world is that we use our Bible reading as like a checklist item. Like, oh, okay, I read my Bible today. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what did you get out of reading? Because if you're, if you're not studying the Word, if you're not studying theology, if you're not studying what, who God says that he is in his word, then you're going to be swayed by all of these different things. You're going to hear things like the prosperity, health, and wealth gospel and think that God is supposed to bless you because of your faithfulness, and that's not necessarily true. 
Okay, you're going to hear things about how God is this all-inclusive God who loves everybody regardless of all of the things you do. And that's only like a half truth, okay? So you have to study your Bible. You have to study theology and what God says about himself and who he has called you to be. You can't just read. You can't, again, it goes back to that being a consumer versus being an active participant. If you're just reading, you're just being a consumer of God's word. If you're studying and there's a there's a guy that I like that I follow on Twitter who wrote a book called How to Eat Your Bible, right? You have to you have to eat your Bible. You have to want to sit down and take the word and study the word so much to where you're able to digest, where you're able to remember, where you're able to learn and know truths about who God actually says he is. I've, can I say something real quick? I think uh, I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I tend to just, when I do my devotional in the morning, it's like I use the She Reads Truth app because— I get overwhelmed sometimes by what I read, and I'm like, it just helps me to have somebody explain it. But I've also been kind of convicted lately of just praying when I do read my Bible, like, help me to get something from this, like, and understand it, like, not just what I'm reading this. Like, yes, these people have good stuff to say, and they do help me a lot, but, like, help me to study and understand this for myself or through your spirit. That's weird, because I've been thinking the same thing, talking straight to us, Noah. Twins. But, hey, that's actually a good segue into my next thing. Read good books, right? Like, so, yes, obviously, rest in the Bible. Read the Bible every opportunity you get. Study the Word every chance you get. But read good books as, like, a secondary source to help you. And when I say good books, I don't mean, like, self-help books that make you feel better about yourself or help you necessarily understand, like, your personality type. I know that we've talked about, like, Enneagram and all of that kind of stuff. But read books that help you understand who God is. You're going to find so much more joy and so much more comfort in knowing who God is since he is the the ruler of all things. You're going to find so much more comfort in knowing about him than you are about getting a pat on the back about, oh, it's okay that you struggle with this because there's more within you. Right there, there's something greater inside of you. Live your best life right now. Right, like that's that's not what we're meant for. We're not built to live our best life right now. We're built to live our best life in eternity with Christ. Amen. Amen. So we read good books. I, Don't read self help. Read books that help you know who God is. Yeah, and that's like I just wrote on my blog about like getting to know Jesus, and like I had been just like thinking about the fact like I get caught up in like the checklist mentality and just feeling like I got to do all these things to like be right with God. But realizing that like the way like that I can get become closer to the Lord and like just be have a stronger relationship with him is just learning who he is like and getting to know him in a deeper level than I've ever had before. Because the the more I study the word and the more I get to know him, the more I like want to serve him and want to worship him. And like it's cool to see that like transformation happen, you know, and just I really do encourage everyone listening to like just get to know the Lord like he He's such a good God, and, like, he want—I like, don't know. It's just so cool to learn more about him, like, the, the one who created us, you know? Yeah, and when you when you finally understand that, like, none of your life is really within your control, like, that's when you find even more comfort and hope in the fact and the attributes of who God is. Because, like, then you understand that the love of God, like, goes beyond your situation, Right. The love of God reaches you and comforts you and helps you in the deepest of valleys, but also on the highest of mountaintops. Yeah. But you only really understand that truth whenever you understand that, like, your life is not your own. 
Like life does not necessarily belong to you. Life belongs to God who holds your life within his hand. And in the blink of an eye, your life can be gone. Yeah. Right. So understanding, again, studying who God is, not necessarily trying to help yourself, but help yourself know who God is so that you can have comfort in those times of sorrow. That's good. Good stuff. So two more things. Uh, Surround yourself with believing friends. And this, I think, is probably the hardest thing that uh, especially high school and college age kids are going to struggle with because of the state of our world today, especially college kids. Man, like you're surrounded by not only like professors and teachers feeding you all sorts of nonsense, but like you have all of these different clubs and and people who are in your class who are just just saying all sorts of crazy stuff. And I just man, I, I feel for college kids because I was there like I was there at one point, not not that long ago. I was at LSU twins. Yeah, that I was I was at LSU, and I'm I'm a religious studies minor, so like I I've experienced the what people view religion as from a very academic perspective because I took those classes, so I understand how difficult that it can be to hear your professors say that God is not real or that all of these truths that you found in the Bible, ah, they're probably not true because of this reason, this reason, this reason. So like I feel for all of the especially older high school and college age kids, but you have got to surround yourself with Bible believing friends because they are the ones that are going to help you through those situations. Mm-hmm. Right. So kind of like we talked about with the local church, how the reason that it exists is to make much of Christ through us. Right. So we have to be able to let people in. Like like I said earlier, the Christian life that is spent alone, that is individualistic, is one that's destined to fail. That's when Satan works the best is whenever you're alone. Yeah. So you need to make sure that you have you have that tribe around you. You have those people around you. It doesn't have to be a big group. It can be two, three people. It can be one person for crying out loud. Yeah. You need to find that one person at least who loves the Lord, who loves you, and wants to see you grow in your faith and grow in grace every single day. So you've got to have those Bible-believing friends. And that's not to say to can all of the friends that you have that, you know, maybe don't don't follow the truth, that think that you're crazy for following Christ or saying that you're a Christian, because that's a beautiful opportunity to to witness to them. Right. Every single time that you see them, you get to be that little bit of Christ. You may be the only Christ that those people see in a day, in a week, in a month, whatever it is. So don't get rid of those people. But it is so important to have those people, whether it's at church, whether it's at a campus ministry uh, whether it's at some other small Bible study, whatever it is, you've got to have those people around you who make much of Christ in their life and push you to do the same. I want to ask one question, like just go a little bit further into uh, believing believing people having friends, un, like unbelieving friends. How would you how would you say the best way to go about a relationship with those people is? Just I know I'm confused in those areas. It's hard. It's hard to balance that. Yeah. What's your so, best advice? so it's again, it's not one of those instances where you say. Okay, I've got to cut you off because you know you don't believe the same way. Because what are you doing in that sense? You're being cancel culture, right? Mm-hmm. Right, like you're you're being the exact culture that we just talked about and said that's not cool. Okay, so you have to be able to find that balance between okay, I love this person, I care for this person, I can go study with them, I can go have dinner with them, I can go do all of these things with them, and I can be that little slice of Jesus that they see. But there does have to come a point where you say all right, this is where I draw the line with this individual. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to go to a house party, probably. 
I'm not going to go to the bar. Like, I'm not going to go to this place that I know where things are going to get weird for whatever reason. Right. Like, you have to know where your limitations are, because even in your limitations, you can show Christ. Yeah. Right. Like you can you can show and shine the light of Jesus, even in saying no to things. And that, again, might be the only little sliver of Jesus that they see in their week, their month, even their year. So you have to be mindful of those things. Be mindful of the people that you're around, not just not just for your sake and for your growth, but also for their sake. Well, yeah. And I feel like whenever you draw that line of saying no, those people then become know where you stand with things. And then it's like they want they wonder why. And I feel like that's a cool opportunity to be able to witness to them. So that's sure. good. Thank you. And one last thing. All right, go ahead. Don't neglect prayer. Good. Don't don't neglect the opportunities that you get to be alone with God. And I I know that we did a house Bible study on the book of Jonah and we talked through chapter two and and what Jonah's response was inside the belly of the fish was not to just sulk in his sadness, but eventually it was to what? To pray, right? So if there's nothing wrong with being alone and getting away and, and having some you time, but you miss the blessing that's found within your silence or within being alone whenever you just turn your brain off and you don't want to think through anything, you don't want to do anything. You just want to be numb and you just want to be there. I am guilty on all accounts. <laughs> I think we all are. Yeah, that's that's very good because I find myself zoning out a lot of times, like just ignoring my circumstances and everything that's going on because it's just easier a lot of times. Yeah. So the last last thing is just don't neglect prayer. Don't neglect that personal time where you get to commune with God, to build that relationship with him, because that is truly how you build your relationship with God is through prayer, through knowing him and through knowing his heart, even through your worst of circumstances. Right. I think all those things, just they, they're they pre- preparing you and building you for when things get hard and when things are good. But like either way, you need, that's like just, that's how we live. That's our lifeline. You know, all those things I feel like are such essentials to walking the Christian Definitely. life. And I feel like the young in the sense of, you know, age, we, it's easy to neglect these things because we feel young. We're, we have an excuse. We're adolescents. We don't have to worry about this stuff right we can now. worry about it when we get older. Put yeah, it off. Yeah, we know? put it off. But I feel like it's so, so important. It's so crucial right now, especially these years, because I feel like we're building our, like, we're, who you're going to be. Yeah, we're building who we're going to be. And I feel like, it, I don't know. It's just, I have such a heart for that, like, such a passion. Yeah, and even, even too, like, you guys are, are talking about the young and age part, like, even the spiritually young Yeah, people. I was thinking like, that, too. So there, there's a guy at my church who um, we go to lunch every now and again together, and we hang out a lot, and he tells me all the time about how he's gotten such a late start on his walk with the Lord that he feels like he's still spiritually so young. Mm-hmm. Like, he missed out on so much of his life and so much of the things that he could have learned about God through his circumstances because he wasn't pursuing Christ in those times. So like to use this kind of as to hit both sides for the young in faith and the the spiritually immature person, like all of this stuff applies to you just as much. Right. Like all of this stuff should apply to you in the way that you live your life going forward, but also to the the age young person too. Like use this time now to become spiritually mature, because just like that, that man has told me time and time again, he felt like he lost so much time. Like you have the benefit now because of God's grace in revealing himself to you 
to where you can grow now. Like you don't have to wait until you're in your 30s, in your 40s to understand the the depths and the truths of who God is. Like you have everything that you need now. We have everything every other person has, you know, like we have the opportunity. So good. Love that. But anyway, anything else you'd like to say before we close this? Oh, this is cool. This is cool. I'm so thankful you came on here. Yeah, this is a good word. You, you just spoke all to me, too. I'm going to take Seriously. notes. Keeping that for later, for now. Uh, well, thank you, Noah, for coming on. We really appreciated that. I hope everyone listening really uh, stuck to the end. For the ones who did, thank you. Always thank this you. Was, this was cool. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Till next time. Peace out.